This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This week on the How To Be 60 podcast, Dr. Hilary Jones. He actually celebrated his 70th birthday this year, but he's not letting that define him. I don't behave like I'm 70. I'm, I'm still a bit of a child inside and a bit of a rebel. Um, and I think that's really good. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Hi all, it's time for another look at Life Beyond the Big Six O with me, Kay Adams, and my pendulous podcast pal, Mackenzie. Enough of the tits talk. When's this <laughs> going to stop? I'm surprised stop you're still giving it your time, given that I am a bigger size Yeah, than okay, you. right, okay, you're right. Now is the time to stop. Excellent. Now Draw is the, the time line. to stop. Now is the time. Uh, this is a bit random, but mm-hmm. um, did you send me a message yesterday at half past five in the afternoon oh, saying that you'd just finished your dinner? Do you know what? I think it's another sign of getting on in years. Yes, twice this week, I've had my dinner before six o'clock. I mean, even I am shocked by this because I know that you know that I like to have it by seven o'clock. By six o'clock. It's your digestion that's. Oh my God, it's because I'm not snacking in between. I'm bloody starving. So by the time it gets to. It's not even tea time. It's like afternoon tea. It's very nice. It's afternoon it's tea. Really nice. Oh God, I know, Kay. But the thing is, I mean, do you and Stephen sit down with you know your dinner on a tray? What no, no, no. Countdown because the that's table. the end of our relationship if you do that. You know, I don't do television. Oh, that's right. That's no. true. That's no, true. yeah, yeah. No, okay. but I mean, what is that about? It's just, I mean, sa- Sunday is almost acceptable because yeah. it was like a late lunch early. You know, was that in between? Yeah, I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah. Lunch, dinner, yeah, no, dinner, like whatever it is. Family, yeah, yeah. only it's just the two of us. Oh, so, yeah, it wasn't even. Thought. Actually, no, I'm lying. A friend was there and Thank we'd gone God. out for a walk and then. So, yeah. you had someone to talk to. This is it, but I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I've ditched the snacking, right? In order to just trim off a few pounds. But do you know what? Because of, and I'm going to mention this once, the PB, the pendulous breast. I think all my weight has gone on to them, right? See, you're bringing it up. No, you this said, is it. I said this is the last time. This you is said the you last didn't want to time. talk about your pendulous but press you, anymore, I don't but you brought it up. I am not losing any weight, and I can only think because I'm exercising, I've ditched the snacking, I'm carrying a lot of weight there. Do you think? I think, I think you look... Perfect. Oh, thanks, Kay. Well, fill in the well. word as appropriate. That's entirely <laughs> up to you. I think we will move on. Um, you... You've not started to eat food that's easy to chew, have you? <laughs> Liquidized. I mean, that's, no, that's, I mean, that's when we're really getting no, that's in a bad bought. place. Yeah. No, no. Um, well, it's been about 18 months now that we've been trying to work out how to be 60. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I think I might have had a teeny, weeny, teeny, weeny breakthrough. Do you tell? Do you well, tell? I was coming home from London uh, on, a, on a Friday night. I was feeling really rough, actually. You could probably still hear it in my voice. Um, and Is that the alcohol? <laughs> no. 
I, I should just, I, I wouldn't even grace that with the result. Um, and I, I thought, right, I better check on my notes for, for Monday for the radio because I was going to be in the run, the Monday, I was going to be on the radio. And um, so I sent a text and it came back. I said, well, we're not expecting you on Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> You're off. So I had made a, a cock up on my dates. I thought I was on and, and I wasn't on. So your memories let you down. <laughs> no, no, no. And then they said, so what do you want to do? Do, do you want to come in? And, you know, what, what do you want? And and I hesitated because I thought, well, oh, I, 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 yeah, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm on the radio. I don't... And then I thought, do you know what? Oh, my God. Yes. You didn't go in. I didn't go in. You actually took two days off. I did. I had a mini glimpse of the future, a mini taste of retirement. And tell me, Kay, how was it? It was amazing. Oh, my it God. It was fabulous. I, I, so in that moment, you know, I thought, right, I don't have to work at the weekend. This Welcome is to my world. I know. I know. Well, some of it. <laughs> it's not just a weekend. You don't work, let's be honest. But anyway, I knew I didn't have to work for the weekend. Charlie, my daughter, was coming home, so I could spend the whole weekend with her. Monday morning, I got up at eight rather than six, which was amazing. I went to a spin class on Monday morning, um, took the dog a walk, went for a coffee, sat in a coffee shop. This morning, I went to Pilates Reformer. Oh, I have no idea what that is. Have you not? No, no, no well, idea. It. It, well, actually, our guest, Dr. Hillary, will know all about this. I, I, I promise you. His wife is a fitness Pilates instructor. Pilates have heard of it, not reform. I saw them at an event. I have to say, Hillary, you're punching above your weight. I mean, you really are. <laughs> he will confirm this. He will confirm this. My, does she look good. Whatever Dr. Hillary's wife is doing, we should all be doing it. <laughs> Blooming egg. I'm hoping it's Pilates reformer. It's like a medieval torture bed. I think you'd like it. Oh, for God's sakes. Um, Thank you. With lots of you? traps and... And various things. Oh, it's was it working marvelous. on the old muscles in and pulling and How long is it going to take? I've only done it twice for Christ's sake. Can I poke? No, I won't poke. No, no, no. no, no, it's, no it's, it's a long time since somebody yeah. asked if they could poke me. Thank you very much. Um, so, but, but, listen, go. I'm so excited. So, actually, you had two days off that you didn't anticipate and you're admitting to I enjoying it. Them. I embrace them. Tell me what, I mean, how has it made you think? If somebody said to you, right, we're going to, can you come on countdown or whatever, slip to countdown, would you say yes or would you say no? Of course I bloody would. Don't You'd be ridiculous. Yes. So actually, would you refuse anything? No, no, yeah, yeah. No, no, no I yeah. don't know if you're there. Yeah. <laughs> what is that about? Just keeping your face out there. No, keeping money. the money coming in. Just keeping the money coming in. Oh, my God. You can get rid of this big, flaming, shambling, <laughs> cold house for a kickoff. <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. Anyway, I, I thought you'd be pleased. It was only. I am delighted, but only okay. if it's okay. going to make a, 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 you know, a difference. Okay, okay. okay. I want to hear Take that. Take the winds. Take the winds, Karen. Take mm. the winds. Anyway, you... I'm more. I'm more interested in, in Dr. Hillary coming on. Uh, I, I can't go over how good his, his wife Lucy. Isn't? It, do you think it's an age thing that when you look at a couple, like as a woman, a straight woman, you're actually looking at the the wife rather than the man? I mean, no. Dr. Hillary's a handsome man, don't get me wrong, he's a very handsome man, but... I, I think he's got better looking as he's got older. <laughs> you think so? He's weathered a bit. Let's see if he blushes. He's looking very handsome, oh, isn't he? I don't know, he's got a bit of sun there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got better looking, yes. I suspect. Slightly too cool earlier on. Oh, oh my goodness, yeah. he didn't think he was coming on for a bit yes, of judgment. but yeah, nicely weathered now, so I think he's... Um, Hope he takes that as a compliment. <laughs> I hope so, or he might have uh, he might Walk have disappeared. Out. Um, I think he'll be influenced by his partner because his partner looks so good. 
I mean, I think you are influenced by your partner. I mean, Ian and I don't drink much because neither of us drink much. Oh, is that right? Whereas I think, you know, if it, you sort of adopt the lifestyle of your partner, don't you think? No, I don't think so. God, you've got your own independent lives. No, but you just do. I mean, I think do you, you might take up the electric guitar. <laughs> or the mandolin or the ukulele or the tin whistle that arrived this week. I'm not joking. There was something that looked like a, do you remember? And it sounds like the recorder. Do you remember playing Three Blind Men? You know, that's the only thing that anyone ever You're living a with a man who ordered a tin whistle. It it looks like I didn't, I didn't even inquire because then that involves a conversation that comes after it. And I just thought, I'm thinking actually I'll ask Stephen to go out to the camper van and practice it there because even up in the far in the top of the house you can still hear it and then when he does play up there and I'm out in the garden it's so hot that the windows are open you can hear it coming down so the camper van's the only place that well let's there. face it you can do that after dinner which will be about 10 to 6 um <laughs> he'll have a couple of hours on his tin whistle and he'll be in bed it'll be absolutely marvelous do you know what I want to talk to Dr Hillary about tell me two things actually one is erectile dysfunction oh is this a personal no, 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 no. It, but you, you can speak to him about it if you like. And the other thing is about men talking. Men talking? Yeah, because I was really struck by something Alan Johnson said uh, that we spoke to a, a few weeks ago. Uh, about their emotions? Yeah, he was saying that, you know, he spent his childhood listening to his mum and sister say, don't tell Alan, don't tell Alan. And all the emotional stuff in the house, all the sort of concerns in the house were sort of kept away from him and it's really stuck with me that because we do and I know that Hillary you know does a lot about men's mental health as well and I wonder if we do condition boys and then men not to talk and now we're saying to them talk talk yeah actually they don't learn to talk well do you remember we had this conversation with um one of the hairy bikers and I was yes, convinced with Dave Marsh, that yeah. yeah, that men just don't find it easy to open up, and and he didn't believe that at all. He found it very easy. Yeah, no, but he was really interesting, wasn't it? Because he grew up in a household where his um, mum was very ill, and he became a carer for his mum, mm. and he was an only child, and you know he and his dad had to pull together. So I think circumstances can make a difference, right? Right. But with Alan. The mum and the the sister sort of protected him. Yes. Whereas with yeah. Dave Myers, he was exposed. Right. Got you. Yes. The, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see what Doctor Hillary thinks. Um. But we need to have our email of the week. Oh yes. Like this bit. This is from Claire. I'm very proud of this email because Claire declares she's <laughs> not 42 until mid July. Oh my God, that's so young. I know, I know. We have a child amongst us. She says, hi, Kay and Karen. I was behind on your podcast and I've been catching up this last week as we've had some chill time and due to an airline we won't name, some (laughs) extra time in airports. Oh, that took a lot of self-restraint, Claire. Do, well done. Um, You two make me laugh uh, so much and I do love the bickering. Um, Bicker, do we? (laughs) Shut up, we do. Uh, I'm not near 60 yet. I'll be 42 in mid-July, but you've given me food for thought on many things when I get there. Continue as you are. Keep the theme tune for now. Change it for your next birthday. When I'll be 61, bloody hell. Oh, I thought you meant your next big birthday. No, 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 no. Thanks for keeping me entertained. Um, Thank you very much, Claire. Everyone's welcome. You don't have to be as old as we are to listen. (laughs) Keep your emails coming in. It's podcast at htb60.com. And we will speak to Dr. Hillary after this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, Hilary. I hope that didn't alarm you too much. Enjoyed that very much. Made me giggle, which is always good. It's not here two ladies talk about pendulous breasts and, you know. And, uh... They're not pendulous. That's the thing. They're pert. It was my mistake calling them pendulous, but they are actually pert. No, no, no. no. I, I, I can contradict that quite um, confidently. Um, in fact, well... I don't know if Dr. Hillary would like to have a quick consultation. <laughs> <while we're laughs> right. Move on. <laughs> Good boy. Do you know, Hillary, I just realised that we're talking about Dr. Hillary, Dr. Hillary, that I had briefly, and it's not just my age, forgotten your second name, it's Jones, mm-hmm. um, because you are just Dr. Hillary. I mean, it's like you're not quite, what is it, mononymous, like Madonna or like Mackenzie. Mackenzie, but that is just what you are now, isn't it? Remember Dr. Ruth? She was just Dr. Ruth, wasn't she? Dr. Um, Ruth. I love Dr. Ruth. The sex doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You I missed know. out on that one. Oh, Dr. Ruth. She was fabulous. American character. And she was very, right. It was. she was a sex therapist, wasn't she? And she was very oh. direct, very direct. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I should have spoken to her about erectile dysfunction. I do want to talk to her, but we can leave all that just now. Hilary, you were 70 in the in the summer. How was it? Yeah, I had a lovely time. Um, it, it uh, you know, I saw my my children and their partners and and grandchildren, and I had a a really nice tribute at ITV, um, where they showed some shots of uh, the, the nonsense we'd been involved in over the years, and a little party there as well. So uh, I I I really really was able to celebrate a seventieth. Whereas you know, after the age of twenty five, you don't really celebrate birthdays much at all, apart from a few drinks. But uh, no, this was very pleasant. And how did 70 feel? I mean, Karen has already given her assessment on, on how you're uh, how you're fearing. Very positive. You were very nice, very lovely. Thank you. Thank you for your, your remarks. You know, you know, and I I I've never I've never felt um my age really. To to be honest, when I started medical school, um I was uh, I was 17 um and they called me fetus. I was the youngest person in my year, so I was fetus um for a long time. So I've always thought of myself as the youngest one in the group. And I think because of, I've got five children, they've kept me young. You have to t- teach them to ride a bike. You piggyback them. You keep fit. Um, you meet their friends and you surround yourself by younger people. You kind of stay young. Um, so I owe a lot to them for keeping me young. It, you know, the, the young jokes that that one keeps up with and, you know, the, the new technology and everything. So I, I've never really felt my age and I, and I don't want to. I, you, know, you see people who behave as they've got one foot in the grave already. Um, I think it's far better to um, to do the opposite and, and pretend you're 30 when you're actually 70. I've always enjoyed exercise and that's kept me uh, in good shape. So as, as, and as Dee has, as you've been talking about, I mean, she's a Pilates queen. You know, she does four, four sessions of classes a day um, and walks the dog and and, and does everything else. So uh, I'm lucky to have a, you know, a partner that keeps me uh, keeps me grounded and keeps me fit. Is that what she does, Pilates? I mean, she looks incredible. Yeah, she does Pilates. She does yoga. Um, uh, she's a yoga instructor, but and she also does dance um, uh, teaching as well. So uh, she's a she's a Jill of all trades, I suppose. 
And does that put pressure on you mm-hmm. to to keep young, to keep, keep up? up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. I, I, I don't feel any pressure at all. I mean, I I really enjoy um, the things we do together. So so you know, we'll we'll go um, you know walking in the hills, walking the mountains. You know, we, we're always walking. We're keeping busy, um, but I don't feel it's a competitive thing at all um she's a great runner as well and and i do things we have our boundaries so i do different kind of exercise i do gym um still play a bit of squash paddle tennis i do the heavy lifting in the garden she does the the lighter stuff but uh yeah so so we have our boundaries wow she's younger than you though isn't she a bit yeah she's uh she's 17 years younger than me and that's exactly how it should be (laughs) i wouldn't want to go out or with or marry somebody that was 17 years older than me or <laughs> one foot in the grave. No thanks. I'm not talking about you. I'm just what, talking about what a terrible thing to say to somebody who's just said that they're probably. Oh, but you look great. But yeah. no, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't because let me see, 63, 17, did you say? 63, 80. Oh my God. No. You know, I mean, she's very complimentary to me. Well, I, I hope she means it, but she always says, you, well, you know, I never consider you 70. Um, and I don't behave like I'm 70. I'm, I'm still a bit of a child inside and a bit of a rebel. Um, and I think that's really good. I mean, to grow up too fast, to grow up ever, it is not necessarily a good thing, not completely. Um, I, I think there's a child in all of us and we need to nurture that child and, and be a little bit pure sometimes, let her hair down. So who is Dr. Hillary behind the Dr. Hillary we see on the telly? Look, I um, when I was at school, I, I studied arts. I, I did history, English and French. I was at school with the late, great Mel Smith. Uh, Hugh Grant went to my school. And we had the most fantastic literary um, guild. We, we had a really, we put on these fantastic stage performances. Uh, I played Prince Hal to Mel Smith's full staff on one occasion. We did Oh, What a Lovely War um, and, and other, other shows besides. And I think that that always uh, gave me the confidence to to perform. Um, but I, I wasn't sure where I was going with arts. My dad was a doctor. He, he thought I had what it took to be a, a good doctor. And uh, long story short, I went to medical school, struggled a bit with the with the, the science of it, the physics and the chemistry, which I didn't think was entirely necessary. But as soon as I got onto the wards, um, I enjoyed talking to patients. I'm a people person and reassuring people about their ailments, uh, explaining what the consultant had just said. Um, you know, the, the consultant would come along and say, well, you know, the appendix in bed number six, you know, as if the person wasn't there, as if it was a part of an appendix. Um, and I used to go back uh, and say, well, this is what he said and this is what we're going to do. And are there any questions? And and patients love that. And that, that's that's such an important part. The art of medicine is just as important as the science of medicine. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what I've been able to, to knit together. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen when somebody walks through the door into your surgery. It's a bit like Forrest Gump. You know, you never know what you're going to get um, with a box of chocolates. And uh, you don't know with the patient coming in. Um you know, men, for example, I know you you talked on men not talking, um, but they'll often come in and talk about their backache, and and just as they're leaving, and they've got their hand on the on the on the doorknob, they'll turn around and say, uh, you know, by the way, I'm not peeing very well, and we call it a hand on the knob moment when they're going to talk about their prostate. Uh, <laughs> yes, they'll boast about a war wound or or, or a rugby um, uh, injury, um, but they won't talk about any problems down below, below the waist. They're, they're very embarrassed. They think they're going to be laughed at. 
um, they think even the doctor's going to laugh at them, let alone the people in the playground or uh, in the sports ground, in the, in the changing room. It's a traditional, stereotypical upbringing that that, that holds lots of men back, I think. And so how, how are you with that then? Have you learned to talk? I, I think that uh, I've always been able to communicate pretty well um i'm not frightened of showing my feelings um you know i can shed a tear watching a film which is emotional and um and that sometimes surprises me but um i'm i'm not always able to do it immediately um it's strange that i can i can have a wonderful experience um whether it's on holiday or um you know meeting somebody but it's often afterwards there's a delayed effect on me that i appreciate that moment later on and not in the moment and i'm not sure why that is um so i'm not like the you know my 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 wife who's a greek cypriot you know um like many mediterranean people will express emotions straight away it comes straight out with it um but maybe that's the the sort of anglo-saxon in me that holds it back a little bit but it'll come out later and that's a good thing i think it comes out at all when I mentioned earlier about erectile dysfunction, I wasn't just being end of the peer. It was because I had um, I had read yet another piece in the paper about, you know, women going through menopause and loss of libido. And, you know, that's a conversation that now women will have quite readily. And we're having it, you know, I'm sure on television, you've, you've discussed it in, um, you know, in the various programs that you're involved with. Um, and there's a kind of just assumption that that's not something that affects men you know and that if relationships go through difficulties you know when people have been together for a long time or people are older then it's going to be because the wife's gone off sex you know that's kind of the thing and again the inference being the guy always wants sex but that's not true is it no it it, absolutely not so so you know, in my in my surgery, um, you know, uh, sexual matters are still rarely discussed. They're, they're very rarely discussed at the beginning of a consultation anyway, um, although it might be bothering one or other party in a, in a relationship. Um, so, so, yes, women who go through a, a difficult menopause, and not, not every woman does go through a difficult menopause at all, but those who do often find that as well as the, the mood swings and the hot flushes and the night sweats, that they... They do uh, experience a, a, a diminution in in um, libido, and that's partly a physical thing as well. I mean, it may be uncomfortable um, if there's dryness. It may be that they they just go off the idea, um, and many people, as the years go by, their libido reduces anyway. Um, but those women who have a a, a, a severe menopause who go on to HRT often find that their libido is rejuvenated, especially if they get a little squirt of testosterone gel as well. So much so that HRT can stand for husband replacement therapy because uh, the husband can't keep up anymore. Um, and, and of course, not all men, as you say, not all men um, have a, you know, a, a rabid um, libido after a certain age. It, it tends to diminish too. And of course, there's familiarity with one's partner. Sexual things are difficult to discuss. There's usually a remedy for all of that. And of course, lack of libido can be a relationship problem. You just don't fancy your partner anymore, not sexually anyway. Um, So there are all sorts of it's it's a really interesting area of medicine, um, psychosexual medicine. But but there's also in young in the younger generation couple of things going on first of all we're still told by 
print media that everyone's entitled to having sex three times a day every day no matter what which is a complete fabric completely unrealistic um you know the programs we see on television love island and you know um uh, married at first sight and even naked attraction i mean it, it's all so physically and sexually orientated that young people often get the, the wrong idea that they probably feel inadequate and they don't need to and then on the other 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 side of it, with you know, you've mentioned erectile dysfunction already. Um, th- there are many, many men now, growing numbers of men who are addicted to pornography, uh, and that is undoubtedly giving them unrealistic expectations of um, romantic sex, romantic lovemaking, um, and that's causing erectile dysfunction in many, many cases. So whereas we used to see erectile dysfunction being mainly a physical thing in in older people and people with cardiovascular problems, we're now seeing it a lot more in younger men as well. And that's partly because of their addiction to pornography. Wow. And so where can those men, whether it's those younger men or older men, where can they go and talk about Where would a guy go to talk about that? Well, one would hope that they could go and see their their GP, and and it would though. Well, it's not common. I mean, I'm saying in an ideal world, in the real world, it doesn't really happen. Men are embarrassed. Um, They're certainly not going to tell their mates about it for fear of being ribbed. So they could go online. There are some there are some mental health apps that, that that enable you to discuss any sexual health problems or sexual concerns. Um, there are sexual health clinics, but usually men associate those with disease um, and infections rather than any sort of psychosexual help. There, obviously, there's cognitive behavioral therapy and psychosexual counsellors, but they're few and far between and difficult to access. So often it, it's again, it, it's like going back to the playground and picking up all the wrong information from the wrong types of people. You You, you might read things which are misleading. We've got agony aunts, which are helpful, but no individual personal contact with those agony aunts. So men are often floundering. Yeah. Do you think they just don't know or haven't really thought about how age affects them? Because if they're not in touch with their feelings or they're not good at talking with, you know, their partners or mates, or whatever, and then, you know, you turn 30, 40, 50, and things are changing, but they don't expect them or they're not expecting them to change it's a bit of a shock to them do you think they know their own bodies um i I don't think they do i mean you you know as well as i do karen that there are lots of men who who have enormous pot bellies and have put on an enormous amount of weight and they still think they've got it you know what i mean um equally there are men who 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 reach their 50s and psychologically they 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 lose a lot of self-esteem they see younger men getting promoted above them they see no they have no great ambition for the future you know then they're, they're not going to get another job um which is the one they've all expected all their lives they think they've left it too late and so we see a lot of men in their 50s becoming quite depressed and withdrawn um they feel that life has, has slipped them has slipped by them um and they've nowhere to go so they kind of give up and and that's a shame because you know i think 50 is the new 30 potentially if only, you know, we have the right mental attitude. You know, we talk about lifespan, um, but we should be talking about health span more. You know, not the, the the length, the longevity of our lives, but the amount of years we have when we're healthy. And actually, that's broadly stayed the same for decades and decades. The, the healthy part of our lives, the proportion of our life where we stay healthy has been more or less the same for decades. 
And, and that means that it's the last few years where we're unhealthy, but it needn't be like that. That's my, my, my thing, I suppose, is that it needn't be like that because we can stay healthy if we look after ourselves. Um, and that means adopting a healthy lifestyle. It means having checkups, uh, talking about issues that bother us, getting enough sleep, proper diet, plenty of exercise that we enjoy. It means making sure we get our vaccinations, um, making sure that we protect ourselves. And as we know that our bodies become potentially more vulnerable, so does our immune system. So it makes sense to, to talk about boosting our immune system so that we're protected from the inflammatory diseases, which are so common as we get older and infections as well. Yeah. You Well, just one thing I was going to say, but then... Um, Let's talk more about, you know, that health span. But it, just going back quickly to the sort of men who are perhaps experiencing sexual problems. Um, I think the other thing that they don't have, unfortunately, that women do have is humor about it and camaraderie. Whereas with women, and it, it might be a bit hollow, but at least you can go, oh, I'd rather have a cup of tea or, oh, no, I'm going to watch Coronation Street. And you can have a bit of a, a giggle mm. with girlfriends, which mm -hmm. doesn't always solve the problem and it's not complete. But at least there is that sense of camaraderie, whereas I really don't see a bunch of guys, you know, having a bit of a giggle about not being able to get it up. Mm. No, absolutely. I, I, do you remember that that very poignant scene in the Full Monty, in the original Full Monty, where um, the the guy who's overweight can't get it up, and his and his wife is so relieved to find that he's not having an affair. He's absolutely devastated to confess to her that he can't do it. And she's so sympathetic. She she just wants to give him a cuddle and say, but you know, but you're my you're my husband, you know. And um, and all he all he needed to know was to get his self-esteem back on the stage when he did the full Monty with the others. Um, and then he was fine again. But I think you're right, men would sort of turn away and pretend that, you know, they're asleep or they're tired or um they're stressed rather than tell their wife. But you're right, humour, um, camaraderie, putting your arm around somebody, being honest um, is the start of, I mean, if, you, if you want to make love to your partner, surely you should be able to look at them, you know, have the intimacy and say, I I've got a, a little problem, you know, and that and your partner, if they love you, will help you through it. Yeah, but uh, we all know that talking is so difficult, especially about sexual matters. Yeah, I, I think it's really difficult if um, one or other of the partners, you know, has ideas that that, that the other partner feels uncomfortable with. If it, if it's if it's about uh, uh, more adventurous activities, it's the, the the partner can feel very uncomfortable about that. Um, so that is difficult to to talk about. There there are people find ways of doing that but i think if it's if it's the basic um uh issue of erectile dysfunction it, it needs to be discussed because most men over 50 at some point will will have a failure but you know a one-off doesn't mean that you've got erectile dysfunction um and in many cases it's eminently treatable um so it's important to discuss it and and camaraderie um intimacy trust humor 
is all important. But then the other things, I suppose, in that, maybe women have to take an element of responsibility because we have also been fed these messages that men are sex machines, that men will want mm. sex at any time, etc., and we're the ones who go off sex. If your partner does turn away or is tired, you know, on four or five consecutive occasions, your assumption as a woman is often that he is having an affair, just as you mentioned in the end of Monte, or he's gone off you or he doesn't fancy you anymore. And therefore the woman becomes defensive or thinks there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so then the communication thing yeah. becomes even more difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I really uh, admire men who are able to look after their um, female partner's health, um, just like the, the women tend to do with their men. So, you know, it's often the case that that, that 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 wives drag their husbands to the doctor's surgery because they're fed up with him, you know, not or getting up six times a night to pee and and the, they, she can hear that the stream is very weak and he won't he, he won't complain. And she knows he might have a prostate problem, but he won't go. So she drags him to the surgery. And when men, you know, notice that they're they're um their their partner is is suffering with mood swings or night sweats or or or, or whatever, and he gets invited. Come on, let's go and see the doctor. I I think that's great, um, and that's much more likely to lead to intimacy and closeness, and and that mutual trust. So it works on it works both ways. You know, um, men and women and partners of of, of 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 either sex both sexes that they need to look after each other um be interested in their health and you know ask themselves why a sex life isn't isn't happening for them there may well be a, a physical reason there may be a, a mental psychological reason but it's worth exploring um because if there's empathy and there's humor um it can be resolved yeah when we were talking there a, a bit earlier about um you know trying to take a bit more responsibility for your own health uh, one of the things you threw in there was to get your vaccinations mm. now over the last three years that word has become politicized mm. in a way that it never was before hasn't it and obviously i'm talking because of covid um and you got a lot of stick during covid didn't you and it, i was thinking about it almost up until that point you know, your Dr. Hillary, the trusted face, you know, the lovely, smart guy who comes on the television and, and tells you, you know, in layman's terms, what's happening in the medical world. And then there was a real change. How was that for you? No, the, to be honest, the the, the overriding and predominant uh, reaction I get when I meet people is that, thank God for you, you were the one who got us through the pandemic. Uh, and and talk such sense about how we should all behave during the pandemic and about vaccines. That the only hassle I had really was from a a, a, a very small minority of anti-vaxxers who, who camped outside my house one morning, um, and 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 spouted utter rubbish about you know the holidays I hadn't taken, um, and the and and the payment I hadn't had for every vaccine given. I mean, just nonsense conspiracy theories. Um, and that was really the only hassle that that I had. Most people were, were really grateful for a consistent um, and concise scientific evaluation of of why COVID vaccination was important. And there's no doubt that it saved hundreds of thousands of lives worldwide. Um, you know, it, it was a difficult time. We hadn't come across a pandemic like that uh, for 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 many decades. Um, and initially, there was huge amounts of fear when we saw those people being nursed on their on their fronts in, in Italian hospitals and in Brazil. 
um and everybody was scared stiff and 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 now we're, we've learned to live with covid it's still around um but many people's lives have been saved by by the fantastic vaccine that was produced quickly by our scientists in this country and and a, and a campaign that was rolled out so you're always going to get some some criticism because people believe what they want to believe but 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 all the scientific um consensus was in favor of vaccine and you know i i just espouse what i believe to be scientifically true and correct and that's that's always been my job as a doctor whether it's for you know the covid vaccine or flu vaccine or shingles vaccine whatever did you ever question it for a second not at all i had a a, a sort of a very clear view of 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 covid-19 um virus and 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 what it was doing to people and how it would spread i think i was the first person to say this is a pandemic people were frightened to say that to begin with and i said well look by definition it's in so many different countries and affecting uh, so many people that it that it must now be classed as a pandemic which it proved to be um so i i never had any doubt about um the vaccine or the the advice i was given in in terms of the the flu jab so i got one i was offered one i think when i got my covid you know one of the covid ones and i took it just because i was there and i thought well, i'll just go on with it um if i was offered it again this winter i don't know i mean why why should i have it because i think of myself as keep healthy i've got a good diet um keep relatively fit cycle walk, do a lot of walking so i suppose i think you know smugly or whatever I won't be affected. I think I believe I've had the flu once, maybe twice, and I'm six in my whole life. And I'm sixty-three. So why can you convince me why I should get it then? What I would say is this: that that, that um, you'll know if you've had genuine flu uh, in the past, you'll know what a lousy disease it is, what a lousy infection. You feel ghastly, high temperature, raging sore throat, hacking cough. And the possibility of secondary infections, uh, ear infections, pneumonias, sepsis, um, and people still die of flu. Not many, but but some healthy people die of flu um, every year, and uh, quite a lot of elderly people die. And the reason a lot of elderly people die of flu is because of something called immunosenescence, which means your immune system. Uh, degenerates to some extent just like the skin develops wrinkles and the hair becomes gray and and our joints start to ache Um, our immune system becomes old with us it's called immunosenescence Um, and we lose um, our um, our more active uh, immune system response um, quicker than our uh, long-term memory for 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 immunity so recent infections are more dangerous to us um uh, and this is partly genetic uh, and it's partly due to our viral response um and bacterial response whatever's attacking us so when we consider flu is going to be around um and it's unpredictable we don't know when we're going to get a a, a very nasty winter um flu virus which becomes a pandemic virus um so for me um a vaccination is a, is a, is a very important public health measure to keep people out of hospital um and to keep them um uh, enable them to recover quicker if they do get flu so it won't prevent all flu but it'll make people better protected they'll get a, a less severe episode if they do catch the flu if they're exposed to it 
and they're less likely to be hospitalized and less likely to die from it. And as the years go by, that becomes more important. So last year, we had a really good uptake. We had about a 79.9% uptake in England in the over 65s. Um, and we had um, we had an even better response in Scotland, 85%, and Northern Ireland, 83%. These were beyond the targets that were set by the WHO. So that was really encouraging. Um, there's a bit of vaccine fatigue now. People are saying, oh, do I need another vaccine? But look, I mean, the, the vaccine is a is a killed virus. It cannot give you flu. That's a myth. It cannot. It cannot yeah, give you. because lots of people. I think my mum never took the flu vaccine because she believed it was live or that, that it gave her yes, the flu. a bit of the flu, a bit of the. No, I mean the, the reason for that myth is is simply because most people will get four or five colds every year. And of course, a lot of people will get a cold coincidentally with the vaccine they've just had, and they say, "Oh, it's the vaccine that made me ill." Um, it's not the case because it's a killed um, virus; it cannot give you flu. Uh, what it can do is mount an immune response in your body. Um, it sort of tricked your immune system into making antibodies, but it can't give you flu. You might feel some people, a very small number of people, get a, a sort of soreness with the injection site is. Uh, and they may feel a bit under the weather for a few hours, but it doesn't last very long and it certainly isn't flu. Mm. I think for people who have particularly have weakened immunity anyway, who are at more clinical risk for pregnant women, for children who are what we call, um, you know, excreta, viral excretors, um, that they transmit the virus easily to to adults as well. People living with somebody who's disabled or um, uh, in, in care homes, uh, residents of care homes are, are very vulnerable. Um, so these kind of groups, um, and anybody over 65 is eligible for the free flu vaccine. And for me, it makes absolute sense to avail yourself of it. What way do you think medicine is going for those of us, you know, kind of 60 plus? I, I mean, I see there is exciting news about um, dementia medication, which for a lot of people will be a, a huge sense of relief. I mean, I don't know how, how complete it is. Um, how do you think those of us in our early 60s can expect to to age um, better in the future um, than than in the past? And do you know what? Of the 40% of modifiable risk factors for dementia, things you can do to prevent or delay dementia, hearing loss is the main one. 8% of modifiable risk factors um, mm -hmm. of, of, um, of those things that can lead to dementia are caused by hearing loss. So getting a hearing checked is such a simple thing to do. Getting your blood pressure checked, getting you know tests for diabetes, making sure that you're not withdrawing um, socially, that you're engaging, using your mind muscle and doing crosswords and Sudoku and listening to your podcast, that sort of stuff. You know, it's all very, very important because these are things that can stave off dementia. So we can we can start planning for that today. We can take more exercise. We can normalize our weight. We can eat a, a healthy diet there are lots of things we can do to make sure that as we get into our 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s, that we have a, a great health span ahead of us, not just a lifespan, but a health span where you know, we've got people running marathons at 80 these days, climbing mountains and, you know, everything's doable. But, you know, we look around us and we see people who are 30 and they behave like they're 80 and vice versa. There are people at 80 who behave like they're 30. 
and that diversity of how you feel and act at certain ages isn't random it, it, it is it is it is to do with how we live our lives it is to do with where we live it's about social inequality environment so many factors but many of them are within our, our remit to do something about ourselves so how we live today will impact on how we are in the future so at the age of 70 hillary is there anything that keeps you awake at night um no i i kind of set myself targets um so 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 a target at 70 was to 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 do a, a really good um a really good gym session and go for a, a run with the dog and do some gardening and and uh you know so, so it's a kind of <laughs> i suppose it's a bit of a triathlon in a in a different form and and you know that makes me feel so good to be able to do that i love the feeling of a feeling physically fatigued as well as mentally challenged every day and for me that works well so for the future yeah I, i'm thinking about you know can i climb the matterhorn uh, with a guide you know uh, am i going to go and swim with sharks again i think there's a i think tv have got a little 70th birthday challenge for me coming up soon which i can't reveal yet uh, which should be which should be challenging and fun i've always got a project as well i've always got a project to do so uh, there's never enough time in the day so retirement isn't for me I was just going to ask that. So, yeah. So no plans anytime soon. I've got, I mean, I, I still love my work. I love my work. I love seeing patients and and, and helping them um, through whatever they're, they're, they're going through. Um, I like the investigative work of, of medicine, getting to a diagnosis and getting the treatment for them. Um, as I say, I'm still a people person. That's where my roots were, where I came from. But equally, um, I've got loads of things I'd love to do. I've got a bucket list and, uh, you know, I'm, I've got, you know, the family. Uh, my mum's 97. She's still going strong, you know, doing crosswords faster than I can. So there's there's always challenges and always projects. And I think that's that's important. Stay curious. Would you like to do the Big Six or Bingo? Oh, yes. Would you like to do the Big Six or Bingo? So, Hilary, I want you to choose a number between um, one and 60. Okay. Two numbers, actually, but I'll take one just first. 40. Uh, best childhood memory? Uh, best childhood memory, win- winning a, a regatta at school uh, against Radley College. How old were you? Oh, I would have been 16. Very good. Very a regatta, good. that sounds very posh. Is that rowing? actually. Rowing. Yeah. White t-shirt, not like the one you had today earlier. No. <laughs> right, another number. Uh, 17. Are you planning to downsize? Not yet. Not in life, not in the house, not in anything? Well, actually, I say not planning to. I've, I've, I've yeah, I've, I've, I used to have two properties. I've got one now, so maybe, maybe I've already done it. Cars? Oh, cars! And now I've upsized the cars. I'm afraid. Right. I've <laughs> got a couple of classics. Have you know? Very nice. What are they? An Austin Healey Mark III. Nice. Go cool. get you. The other one. That's a 1968, and then the others are 86 Mercedes 500 SL. Nice. Is that like the Pammy ones? Is that like a a five hundred? Is that is that a convertible? No. Yes. yes. I used to call it a Pammy car. Was that in the Ewings? Remember in? Oh right, yeah, yeah. A red one. I always coveted that. Yeah. Oh, very nice, very yeah. nice. So that will be going anywhere soon, right? Yeah. Well, listen, okay. Hilary, thank you so much. It's been really nice speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you for making me giggle at the beginning. We try our best. <laughs> Next week on the How To Be 60 podcast, the woman who coined the phrase, does my bum look big in this? Now starring in Two Doors Down, it's Arabella Weir. 
and keep those emails coming. It's podcast at htb60.com. You never know, you might win a bag of Karen's tablet. Now, if that's not an incentive, I don't know what is. <laughs>